I've been looking forward to uh, to today and teaching for a little t- a little while on worship. Uh, and as Kim said, we're starting a two part message called Overflow. Uh, today teaching on the purpose of worship and next week uh, teaching on the purpose of mission. And Pastor Andrew is gonna be teaching with his wife, Alyssa, and it's gonna be great. So make sure that you come back for that as we talk about how the things in our heart flow into our lives and how the things that we worship guide everything that we do. And so today, what I wanna do in this time is look at answering two questions together. And really, I guess even more than answering these questions, I just wanna ask these questions of you because I think the most helpful thing for you to do is for you to take these and talk to the Holy Spirit this week so that you can answer them for yourself and hear what the Lord might say to you. Uh, But those questions are this. Number one, what is worship? We know that it's one of the purposes of the church. We know that it's why we exist. We know that it's what we do, but really, what is it? We're gonna talk about that today. And then the second question is, what do you worship? Really, what what is it that you put first in your life? And uh, what, as we look at what has first place in your heart, our hope is that the Lord would lead you in what it looks like to put him first in your life and to put him first in everything that you do. So let's do this. Uh, let's pray together. Let's ask God to speak today from his word and then, uh, and then we'll jump into these things. And so Holy Spirit, this morning uh, we come before you and we just ask you, God, to speak. Uh, thank you for the promise that your word never comes back empty or powerless. And so today, God, we open our hearts to you and just invite you, God, to do what you want. Um, knowing that for me and for some of us today, God, there are things out of place in our heart that you wanna sort out, that you wanna um, bring back into alignment. And so we just welcome that work. God, we do our part in, um, in opening our hands and letting go and inviting you to do what you want, God. We love you so much and we wanna see you at the center of our life. Amen, amen, amen. So question one, what is worship? And regardless of uh, whether or not you would identify as a Christian, whether or not you even identify as a person that believes in God or a higher power, I would submit to you today that you, you actually worship. And I'll tell you why. Um, Because in God's design, he made each one of us for worship. And what I mean by that is that you were created to have an anchor at the center of your life. You were created with a spot inside of your soul that must be occupied by something at all times. You were created needing this anchor in your life. And even though I don't know you, what I do know is that there is something in your life that is more important than anything else because you think about it all the time, because you, um, you think about how to make it better, you try to control it. You spend your time on this. You probably spend money on this. You protect it. You, um, you put it first in your life. And even though I don't know what that is for you, what I do know is that whatever has your heart is the thing that you worship. And the Bible says that what you worship begins to overflow into your life. And so answering this question is so important. Let's, uh, let's do this. This is our, uh, our main scripture for this two-part message. We're gonna be looking at it today and next week. It's found in Luke chapter six, verse 45. And Jesus is preaching and he says this, a good person produces good out of the good that is stored up in his heart. And an evil person produces evil 
out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. The thing that we worship is the overflow of our heart. And when I said worship a few minutes ago, I don't know, you probably thought of a church service. You may have thought of um, our church property where I am right now. You may, if you're not a Christian, you may have thought of a temple or a prayer rug or beads or incense or singing or music. And while we can use all of those things to worship, all of those things are incomplete because all they are is they are the different ways that we express worship in our life. And although worship is language that we find in the Bible, I would argue today that it is not simply a biblical idea. It is not, worship is not just a religious idea. It is not just a sacred idea. But instead that worship is, it's, a, it's human. Worship is part of the human experience. It's a part of life on planet earth. And that, uh, that's the first idea. You'll see that in, uh, in, in the chat today is that worship is human. If you're taking notes at home, you can, uh, you can write that down. Worship is human. Really to worship is to be human because by design, again, we were created by God for worship. This is our purpose. We see it at the very beginning of the book, right? Genesis 1, the first chapter in the Bible in verse 26, we see God say, man, that there is intention and there is purpose behind this. Let us make man in our own image. It's at the very core of being human. And if we look outside of the Bible, um, which maybe that's your point of view today, we see worship as part of our worldview. We just don't always use that word. But on every continent and in every culture on earth, people worship. Some people attach it to a belief. Some people attach it to their convictions. Some people connect it to their ideology. Some people attach it to an activity. Some people find it in belonging to something bigger than themselves or trying to accomplish something through an activity. Some people are searching for their whole lives, trying to find it out there somewhere else. And some of us are trying to get deeper and deeper and deeper inside of ourselves to find the answer. But no matter where you look or how you express it, you worship. You are worshiping right now because everyone worships. And uh, in this being the, the big idea and the first idea that we're talking about today, I was like, man, how do we make sure that people take home this idea that everyone worships? How do we take home this idea that uh, everyone is worshiping right now? And I started to reflect on my childhood. I started to reflect on uh, the many, many days that I spent at uh, at the Welch home, my best friend, Zach Welch, uh, to this day, I grew up at his place, and there was a book at Zach Welch's house, and uh, maybe you know it, maybe you read it, uh, but you'll see it on screen right now, and it's the book, um, Everyone Poops, right? And, uh, and I've guaranteed at this point that you're gonna remember at least one thing uh, from our time together today, and that is uh, this book from your childhood. Um, and maybe that's the only thing that you remember today, but my hope is that you would remember uh, that everyone worships and that you would remember that you are worshiping in all that you do. 
So anyways, let's move on and uh, we'll get away from that. This is uh, the next idea as we answer this question. And uh, it's this idea that worship is constant. Worship is constant or worship is continual. Not only were we made for worship, but we were made worshiping. That at the beginning of our life, we were born worshiping. We were not created dormant or inactive. God did not um, put us on the earth to wander the earth until we found something that would stir up our affections and bring us to life. In fact, the opposite is true. And we see this uh, in Acts chapter 17. You'll see this verse come up right now. And we're going to look just at this last sentence, that God himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. See, we see that God gives, not that he gave and then was done giving, but that he gives in the continual sense. And the thing that he's giving is life and it is breath. It is active and it is constant. And, and friends, where it says here that it satisfies every need, I don't know, this wasn't part of what I was gonna share today, but if you today were watching this, trying to find that thing in you that cannot be satisfied, hang in there for the next few minutes because Jesus provides the better way. And when we have him at the center of our life, he really does satisfy every need. And so in the same way that we're born into the world breathing, we are born into the world worshiping. And we were actually created, God made us. He didn't give us the ability to stop worshiping. He didn't give us the ability to stop worshiping, but what he did do is he gave us the ability to choose what we worship. And right now, as you're watching this or listening to this, you are choosing the focus of your heart and your life, but you are worshiping all the time. And God in his goodness has given us the ability to choose. And that's our next point, that what you worship is up to you. What you worship is up to you. So by God's design, we see that worship is human and that worship is constant and that worship is up to you. Let's do this. Acts 17, we were just there a moment ago. Let's, let's go on and finish this scripture. And uh, in verse 27, it begins by saying this, that God's purpose for the nations, that's every person, that's you and me, was to seek after him and perhaps find their way toward him and find him though he is not far from any one of us. For in him, in God, we live and move and exist. In the Bible translation that I learned this as a, in my student years was that in him, we live and move and find our being. And so we see here that God gives us life and he gives us the choice of what we're gonna spend our life worshiping. And although we live and exist in him, he says, I want you to choose me. I want you to have the freedom to choose what you want because I don't just want obedience, but I want relationship. I want love. And so, although we get to choose, we have to know that what we choose to worship counts, it changes everything. It counts for so much. And that when your life centers on anything other than Jesus, when your life, when the foundation of your life is anything other than Jesus, that you have settled for a cheap replacement. And the, the Bible gives us language for this. The Bible would use the word idolatry. 
which um, as I was thinking about idolatry, I was like, man, I don't know that this really fits like American culture real well. And the thing, I'm a 90s kid. And so the thing that came to mind was Indiana Jones, right? That scene where he has like the bag of sand and he, uh, he replaces the idol out. Um, and, uh, and Romans says this in chapter one. Uh, it says this about our brokenness. It says this about our need for worship. And it says this about people. He says, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Now let's look ahead at verse 25. It says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. And so since God lets us choose, there is, um, and if you're a parent that you know this, right? That there's a point at which we let go of our kids' hands and we allow them to take steps forward. And in that, there's an inherent danger that we might do the wrong thing or that we might choose the wrong thing. And because of this, because of the danger of choosing the wrong thing, we run the risk of giving first place in our heart to the wrong thing. And so friends, as disciples of Jesus, as worshipers, part of that experience, part of life in Christ is for us to continually be evaluating what has our heart. And the mark of a worshiper, let me say this to you as our worship pastor, that the mark of a person that is concerned with worship is the constant evaluation of their heart, of what has their heart, of what is at the center of their heart. And as we talk to the Lord about that, that we are always turning towards God so that he might have that first place in who we are. The Bible calls this repentance. And, uh, and simply what that word means is it is saying no to things that are wrong, saying no to what God says is wrong, and instead walking and following the voice of God and doing what he says is right. And, uh, and before we answer this next question, I'll just say to you uh, today right up front, our agenda for you, my agenda for you, our agenda as um, the ones that lead this church and care for our church family is that you would give the first part and the center part of your heart to Jesus Christ. That every part of your life would be offered to God because Jesus deserves to be the center and that's my heart for you. And so to do that, we've got to look at, um, at what had first place in your life 10 minutes ago. What had first place in your life when you woke up this morning? And, uh, and these are the questions that you need to be asking the Holy Spirit if you want to grow in a life of worship. So let's do this. The next idea for us is that whatever you worship gets your first and most and highest. Whatever it is that you worship gets your first, most, and highest. And I realize that we've gone out of order uh, if you are a uh, type A, type one, uh, real high-strung person like I am. Take a deep breath. Um, we're gonna move through it. It's gonna be okay. Uh, we'll get back to that last point in just a second. Um, but I think it's really important that we understand that worship is first, most, and highest. And we taught about worship uh, a little while back here at North Point. And this was the language that we used in that series. You'll see it on screen. And it's that when something becomes so important to you 
that it gets your attention, that it drives your behavior and it commands your emotions, you are worshiping it. You have found yourself worshiping it. And so today, if we're gonna grow in worship, we have to take inventory of our attention and our behavior and our emotions. And we've gotta submit those to Jesus. And to do that is to grow in worship. To look at the overflow of these things is to understand a life of worship. And so that's what I, I hope to help you do today. So let's get to that first, that first fill in on your outline. And that's that we worship in two ways. That worship is both outward and internal. It is both outward and internal. And uh, if, uh, if my high school English teachers are watching, I'll just apologize because I know that the grammar here is, uh, is not correct. But I really feel like this language is the most helpful way for us to think about it. So let's look at the outward ones first, all right? These ones are easy. This is your calendar. How are you spending your time, right? Pull up your phone and look at the blocks of time in there. Uh, look at your credit card statement or your bank statement. Where are you spending your money? Where are you investing the finances that God has entrusted you with? Um, your, your little screen time notification. I don't know if you can turn that thing off, but I get it every Sunday morning. I just got it earlier today. Man, wh- where is your screen time going? Is it going to sports? Is it going to the news? Is it going to social media? I, I don't know. It's different for all of us, but we've got to look at these outward things if we're going to evaluate what is in our life. And then inward. These things come next or internal. And these ones, this is gonna take maybe a little bit more work, a little bit more time. These are maybe things for you to process as you spend time with the Lord in the days ahead. These are great things for you to discuss with your small group. Uh, We've actually put questions uh, at the end of these notes for you to discuss in small group. And I really think that as, not only as we're answering these questions for ourselves, but when we're answering these questions in biblical community, that God is able to lead us and help us to surrender more and more of our life. So let's look inward. Man, our desires and our hopes. You can write that down or, or just think about that. What are the things, if you made it through life and you never accomplished blank, that you would feel crushed or you'd feel disappointed? What are, what are your dreams and ambitions? What are the things that you worry about constantly? The things that you walk around life being afraid of, right? Like fear, it's so easy for fear to take control of our lives. Where is that coming from? And does that have first place in your life? What was, like we said, what was the first thing that you thought about today? What's the last thing you thought about last night as you tried to fall asleep? When you are... Um, when you're in that, at that intersection and you're waiting at that red light and then all of a sudden someone honks at you because you've zoned out, where does your mind drift to? That might be the thing that you worship in your life. What would you do with a bonus, an unexpected bonus from work? What would you do with a three-day weekend? Because Jesus said that where your treasure is is where your heart will be as well. So, so let's do this. Maybe you're sitting here and you're feeling a little bit critical. You're saying, okay, Kyle, so I should quit my job because that's where I spend 40 hours a week and I should um, sell my house because I pay a mortgage every month. Um, what, should I, just, should I just walk away from my life and 
I'm not telling you to do that, but what I am saying is that maybe God is. And I think that worship is asking the Lord, Lord, what would it be, what would you have me do with what you've put in my hands? And I'm telling you to ask him because a guy actually asked Jesus this one time. He said, Jesus, not in, this, in, in these words, but he said, Jesus, what do I need to do to worship you? And Jesus said, sell everything that you own and come and like walk around the Middle East with me. Because Jesus knew that the first and most important thing in this guy's life was what he owned. And so Jesus today may not be calling you to quit your job and sell your house and, 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 and live on mission in that way. But what is for everyone, what I'm, I'm sure that he is asking you to do is to ask questions like this. Why am I paying on my home every month? Is it about the zip code that I get to live in? Is it about curb appeal? Or am I paying on what I'm paying on because I see it as a ministry space to love my family? Because I see it as a place where I can invite the people of God into my home and we can break bread and we can spend life in relationship together talking about life in Christ. Your neighbors, you know those people across the street that you've never met because you just, just like me, I mean, we come home and we pull into our garage and then the door goes down behind us and we walk into the kitchen, right? God said we're supposed to love those people and we're supposed to know those people. God said that your neighbor is the person you are close to that is completely different from you. That's your neighbor, you're supposed to love them. What are you doing with your home or your apartment? What is motivating you in the job that you have? Maybe you don't need to quit your job, your job, but maybe you just need to ask that question and evaluate this. Am I being motivated and compelled to show up to work each day in order to climb the ladder or get into the next tax bracket or to put more letters next to my name or to finally be educated enough that I have some sort of identity and self-worth? I don't know. But what I do know is that the thrust of the, New of the New Testament, and we see this in Colossians 3, we see this in Romans 12, we see this all through the Gospels, is that the Holy Spirit is calling us to give everything that we do in worship to him. One of the big themes of the New Testament is whatever it is that God has put in your hands, whatever it is that you are doing right now, go and do it to the best of your ability, to the glory of God. Ask yourself about these things because the overflow of your life matters to God. So we've looked at what is first and most important and highest. Let's, let's go one level deeper. Let's talk about what runs deep in your heart. What is most foundational? What moves you? And to do this, we really need to search our hearts and consider what gets your attention and drives your behavior and forms your emotions. And we can do this by asking questions like this, man, what is it that just totally sets me off in life? What is it that triggers me? Because that might be the thing that you're worshiping. What is it that soothes me? What is it that distracts me? People have been for months talking about the trash fire of 2020. What is it that we are trying to, you know, what do we turn to when we try to escape from the news cycle? and the really terrible things that are coming to the surface in a broken world around us? What is it that's giving us hope? Maybe you're worshiping that. What is it that affects your mood? What is it that you respond strongly to? 
I don't know. I don't know what that is for you, but I think that it matters to God. And, and I tell you what, I'm not gonna tell you how to vote. I promise not to do that. But can we talk about politics for a second? Because we are coming out of an election year, right? Uh, we all know that. And I have seen in the last 12 months, I have seen Christians moved by politics in America in ways that I have never seen them moved by their faith in God or their devotion to Jesus. And in the places that we find ourselves responding strongly, responding emotionally, we have to evaluate, man, are these things heavy on my heart because they're heavy on God's heart? Or am I responding to these things because this is the center of my life and someone tried to mess with it? Ask yourself this, what happened to your heart when Donald Trump lost, lost the election? Or to your heart when Hillary Clinton lost the election four years earlier? I have seen Christians celebrating and I have seen Christians shattered. And when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, were you shattered or were you celebrating? You see, politics are good. I think democracy is good, but they are not the hope of the world. I love America and I'm grateful to live here, but friends, it is not the answer to what we are looking for. It is not the hope of our world. Jesus Christ is the hope of our world. And when we take good things like democracy or the 1990 Chicago Bulls or a really great bottle of wine and we make those things ultimate, we make those things most important in our life, 10 times out of 10, they are gonna eventually crumble and fail and leave us feeling empty and disappointed and broken. Because God never intended those things to fulfill you, right? By design, God made you to worship and he made you to only be fulfilled when we worship rightly, when we worship with Jesus at the center of our life. And so as we're talking, maybe this is your marriage or maybe this is your, your ability to be a good parent. Maybe you're looking for something like this to try to fulfill you. And Jesus today, I believe, is saying, hey, would you hand that to me? I'm not gonna force it out of your hands. I'm not gonna wrestle it away from you, but would you surrender it to me so that I can step in and have the center place in your life? Man, I, uh, I'm getting fired up uh, because I care about worship and I care about people and I care about Jesus. And what I just said about, about good things becoming ultimate things, that's our next idea, um, that we, we have to be careful to not let good things become God things. Don't let good things become God things. First Peter 2.11 says this, dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, as people that don't belong in this world, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. This phrase, sinful desires, can be translated as over-desires. It's when something good becomes something ultimate. It's when we want something good more than we want God. And if this sounds familiar, it's because we just taught on this through the month of January in our Real Deal series through 1 Peter. And the reason that the people of God are warned about this is because we are broken. We are so quick to take good things and to give them first place in our lives, to give them God's place in our lives. 
And our identity, and by our, I mean me, like in the last week, in the last month as I've been preparing this, I have identified that like, man, my identity so easily can go from being in Christ to being in church, to being in small group, to being in ministry. And all of a sudden, really good things that are a part of life in Christ have taken us away from being in Christ and having Jesus at the center of who we are. And again, friends, God smiles on these things. I'm not saying you should leave your small group. What I am saying is that they should not be ultimate. And the way that we, we are careful of that is that we ask ourselves what really has our hearts. The next thing you're gonna see is, uh, is a quote here. And it's not scripture, but it's been really helpful to me in coming back to a life of worship. And uh, it says this, the great God values not the service of men if the heart be not in it. For the Lord sees and judges the heart and he has no regard to the outward forms of worship if there be no inward adoration, if no devout affection be employed therein. It is therefore a matter of infinite importance to have the whole heart engaged steadfastly to God. It is therefore a matter of infinite importance to have the whole heart engaged steadfastly to God. So how do we do that? How do we put Jesus first? And this is, and this is where, uh, where we finish up. So we've asked these questions and now it's time uh, to put it into action. The book of James would say that this is where we go from being a hearer of God's word, somebody that attends a church service and listens to being a doer of God's word or being a disciple or being a follower of Jesus. And let me just say this before we get into the next steps that we're gonna take, um, if, this, if this has felt heavy, um, there's hope. The reason, the reason that we've spent time looking at what's not right in our life, the reason that we've been looking at where our life can go off track is because Jesus is, is, is calling us to the better way. But we know that, right? Like we all know that. And sometimes we need to be reminded of how much better his way is for us. So we talked about earlier, we talked about how God made us needing an anchor in our life, right? And the good news of the gospel is that he gives us that anchor in the person of Jesus. And we don't have to earn it. We don't have to perfect a certain behavior or learn a foreign language or climb some mountain in some country far away. All that we have to do is we have to learn to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and abide in the Father's deep love for us and say yes to Jesus. We have to put him first in our attitudes and our decisions and our words. And so these next steps, they're probably not gonna blow your mind. It's, uh, they're all things that we know to do, but what they might do is they might change your life. You start doing these things every day. You start doing these things more. And I guarantee you that Jesus is gonna make room for himself at the center of your life. First, say yes to the Holy Spirit quickly. Say yes to the Holy Spirit quickly. This is the idea of obedience. Uh, our, my friend Ben is our college pastor and uh, he was the first person I heard uh, with this language. And ever since that first day, it has just become part of how I try to understand worship. Titus 2 says this in verse 11, the grace of God has appeared in Jesus 
and it offers salvation to all people. This is the nations that we just read about. And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and those worldly passions that we just talked about and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Friends, putting Jesus first means saying no to ungodliness. And I know that that's basic and that's simple, but let's be honest, as Christians, we don't always do that real well because it's so easy to compromise these little places of our life. And you cannot have a yes to God without a no to your flesh. And this is, for all of us, this looks different. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in us when we ask him, all right, God, I've got open hands on my life. What needs to change? And so this is the type of movies that we watch. This is how long we spend watching movies. This is the amount of food that we eat. This is the amount of alcohol that we drink. This is, um, man, how much time we spend wrapped up in media. And so in my own life, friends, these are things that I've been asking God of like, man, am I taking care of my body? Am I making the most of my time? Am I making the most of my beautiful wife that I have the privilege of ministering to and being loved by? Or have these other things taken first place? And, and we've got to say no to those things. I'm not talking about getting rid of your TV, but what I am saying is that um, the Bible it's not just about moderation. Like the language that the Bible uses is that we have to put this stuff to death. Megan just led us in a song earlier about the pressing and the crushing and God bringing beautiful and strong and sweet things out of our lives. And in order for God to do that, our part in that is putting to death the things in our life that are not right. And so maybe the Holy Spirit today is saying, it's your image or it's social media or it's pornography or it's Tinder. And so we've got to say no to these things, but even more than that, we've got to be careful to replace those things because we can't just remove them. When we remove things from our heart, it creates a vacuum. And if we're not careful, something else will take first place in our life. I've seen people go from drug addict to um, spending all of their time in the gym I've seen people go, people in my life go from um, living and worshiping sexual immorality and they, they move into a really unhealthy relationship with another Christian. And so we've gotta make sure that it, we're not turning to possessions or an extra 12 hours at work or, or trying to make more money, but that we do that with Jesus. So we say yes quickly to what he asks of us. Number two, learn to enjoy God's presence. Learn to enjoy God's presence. This is the act or the spiritual discipline of devotion. And uh, I put the word learn there because it's a process. It's not gonna happen overnight. Acts 3.19 says this, repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Friends, refreshment sounds great, but it begins with repentance. Do you notice that that is the requisite of the refreshing that comes from the presence of God? We can't find it without repentance. And so maybe I had this thought yesterday in, in praying through this. I wonder if the reason that I haven't been refreshed by the Holy Spirit lately is because I've lost sight of repentance. And maybe that's true for you. Maybe you've lost sight of the cross and the empty tomb. Last week, 
um, we ended our message, we ended our teaching time with this thought, keep fresh in your heart what Jesus has done for you. And that's, that's our songs do this. That's why our worship ministry uses music because it's so effective in reminding us about that. And beyond intellectual, God's presence has to move from an understanding. It's gotta make that 18 inch journey from our mind to our heart. And it needs to be physical. The Bible says that the physical expression of our faith through our bodies and through our words and through our obedience is a central part of being a follower of Jesus. It's gotta matter. Last weekend, we did this through communion. If you were on our campus or maybe you did it at home, uh, if you did it at home, we'd love to see those pictures. Uh, it's just a beautiful thing to see ministry happening uh, in your homes. But we did it through communion. We saw people do it um, through baptism last weekend. All these things are expressions of worship. And one of those that I think is probably most formative is for you to store up God's word in your heart to store up God's word in your heart. And this is the last idea today because I think that it's maybe one of the most important. We're talking about spending time in the Bible. We're talking about spending time in God's word because remember what we store up in our hearts is going to flow out of our lives. It's, it's like an instinct or a reflex in the human condition. And so friends, I love, I love Macklemore. I loved the 1975, I loved Tiger King, I loved House of Cards. But if as the people of God, if as people that worship a supernatural God, we are not willing to spend Monday through Saturday living like people, living differently than people who don't have Jesus at the center of our life, we will not live lives of worship to the fullest. And so we have to evaluate these things. And I'm not telling you that you can't listen to those bands or watch those shows because I do and I have. What I'm saying is that we've got to keep in step with the Holy Spirit along the way. And I think scripture is a really helpful way for us to do this. So I hope you hear me saying that you don't have to do this my way. You don't have to do and not do all the things that you've heard me say today. But what you do need to do, I believe, is to ask the Holy Spirit what it looks like to live a life of worship. And so I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna tell you about a couple of the things that are coming next. And, um, and let's, let's ask God to, uh, to continue this work in our hearts. And so Holy Spirit, um, thank you that you have given us the better way and thank you that your spirit leads us um, to Jesus. God, I pray that for believers today who have maybe gotten caught up in sin or their hearts have just become cold to you, that today you would fan those flames and draw them back. God, um, that they would make room for you at the center of their lives. And for those who um, started watching this 30 minutes ago, 40 minutes ago, and they didn't know that you were supposed to be the center of their life, God, that maybe your spirit right now is moving and softening hearts and making room. And so we just pray, God, that your kingdom would come in our hearts and that you would be the thing that overflows out of our lives. And we're gonna do our part. We're gonna commit to do our part in that, God, as, uh, as we make room for you. We love you and we bless you and we wanna live for you in every way that we can. Amen, amen. 
Well, friends, if, uh, if today's message has helped you to make room in your heart, you can respond online right now so that uh, our team can be praying for you. If you've got questions, we'd love to answer those questions. Um, if in the last, the last section of this, these practical steps, you're like, oh man, this stuff is exciting. I can't wait to get some time with the Lord tomorrow. Um, hit the button right now and, uh, and connect with core class. All four of our core classes are happening next weekend. These are the classes where we teach people just like you, um, what it looks like to put God first in every part of your life and the practical things that we do as followers of Jesus. And 301 would be great for you. We'd love for you to start with 101, uh, but you can start wherever you want. Um, we're doing a night of worship next month and uh, I would be remiss to not mention that to you. It's gonna be on um, the 14th. Uh, Sunday night, we're gonna be out under the tent and we're gonna sing and tell God that we love him and figure out how to follow God more closely. And we'd love for you to be here with us. So thanks so much for being a part of church online today. I'm gonna toss it back to Kim and uh, she's gonna tell you a little bit more about what's happening next in the life of our church. Have a great day.